I'm Anne Labar. I'm Lisa Lancer Rose. And this is This Animal Life. I do have a dog story. What a surprise. What a surprise. Let's hear the dog story. And this is how intelligent, you know, the, um, well, how would you kind of summarize or the thesis or topic of your story? You want me to go of- first? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, theory of mind. Uh, this is, you know, it's a kind of a roundabout. This is, this is about our theory of mind, I guess, um, what we assume a dog is thinking. Okay. So it's about our theory of mind and how we attribute theory of mind to a dog. Right. And wrong. Ah. I guess you could call that anthropomorphizing. Yeah, that's what that and would the be. Errors, the errors of that. Yeah. 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 Theory of mind and anthropomorphizing uh, overlap quite a bit. Now that I think of it, I never never quite thought of that. I didn't put those things together before. But this is the story of Jim the Wonder Dog, which some people might be familiar with. Um, I did homework. I read, uh, <laughs> I read books. And <laughs> Whole there books. are books. Yeah, there are books about, there's several books about Jim the Wonder Dog. Wow. Uh, yeah, and there are websites, there are uh, newspaper articles. I'm going to put them all up there, and sh- you know, the yeah. books are all pretty much called Jim the Wonder Dog. So <laughs> the same title. The articles are all Jim the Wonder Dog. Um, there's one Jim the Wonder Dog was he psychic? Which newspaper um, article? Um, yeah, I'm I'm scrolling here. There are there are like four or five books. Anyway, we will have them on the website if you would like to learn more. Um, now, uh, Jim, the Wonder Dog, he lived between 1925 and 1937. In 1925, this guy named Sam Van Arsdale was a hotel manager in Missouri, okay. and he was a quail hunter. And one day he got the, actually, I hear conflicting stories, or I hear I read conflicting stories. <laughs> he acquired this dog. Oh, okay. But in several of them, it, uh, Sam Van Oursdale received a surprise package in the mail. You know, some some of this I feel like it's um it's a little bit tall tale, a little bit legend in yes. there, a little bit, and we'll that'll become more apparent later. Uh, but you'll be alert for elements, okay? Yes, of the tall tale. So he got this surprise package in the mail, and it was a, a puppy. It was a Llewellyn Setter puppy, mm-hmm. and um, that's just a famous strain of the English Setter breed. You know, like Mick is a fleet pup. Okay, gotcha. Uh, like it's father. the um, what would it be? Oh God, what's the word? Pedigree. It's like a family. Yes, yeah. Like a, <laughs> this, uh, the the English setter uh, hunts ground birds like quail and grouse. Okay. And um, there are people who argue that the Llewellyn setter should be a separate breed, and I think that's how all breeds become breeds. Is it, there there'll be a line, um, or a cross in a line, and then it be, it earns its right to be its own breed at a certain point. So there are some sources who say that uh, friends sent Van Arsdale this particular puppy as a joke uh, because the puppy was actually a misshapen runt. It, it was a really strange-looking puppy. 
<clears throat> it had freakishly long legs. It, you know, it's like a, a genetic aberration. Uh, had uh, like these freaky big paws and bug eyes. And uh, we'll have a picture of Jim the Wonder Dog, and you will see um, that he has kind of a strange head and, and these bulging eyes. Uh, anyway, so Van Arsdale <clears throat> didn't have time to raise his freakish puppy, uh, so he gave the puppy to his niece, Dorothy, with the condition that um, when the puppy was old enough to train, he would take the puppy back which seems really mean to me as, as a, you know, I used to be a little girl who loved dogs and I, I don't know, that's, that's not a good deal. I think, but anyway, cause Dorothy was eight years old. I mean, she, and she adored this puppy. She spent all her time with the puppy uh, as little girls do. Right. You know, um, my daughter spent a lot of time with, you know, they become like your playmates and they, they play oh, yeah. imaginary game. You, you put clothes on them. And, <laughs> You know, uh, I, I remember setting up like, which was, has become agility, the sport of agility, but we used to set up obstacle courses in the backyard and have our dogs be horses and, and run steeplechase, you know, and anyway, so she was putting hats on her dog and on the puppy, stuff like that. And anyway, so um, one of the things she did with this dog, which uh, becomes prophetic, I guess, is that she played hide and seek with this rag doll. Uh, she she had would hide the rag doll and Jim would find it, okay. Okay. And he was really good at that, and she got in, fascinated by how good he was at finding her rag doll. So uh, one day, <clears throat> it, like it seemed like he the dog just knew where the rag doll was, right? And I'm thinking, you know, of course he did. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> he's he's a dog. Yeah, so she, yeah, he's got a nose. Um, then she's not thinking of that. She didn't have the theory of mind that maybe the dog has a has another sense that she doesn't have, right? right? But she, uh, it's kind of interesting as this this little story is is a mirror of what's to come. She put a cardboard box over Jim, so he couldn't see where she's hiding the rag doll, and she hid the doll and removed the box, and Jim went straight to the doll every single time. Okay. Um, so she started telling the grownups, <clears throat> the dog knows where the uh, doll is, even when he doesn't see me hide it. And, you know, this is a puppy who's not, uh, who's a bird dog. It's like supposed to flush okay. grouse and, right. you know, so, um, but it's considered not old enough to be trained yet. And oh. this is kind of a training that Dorothy's doing, yeah. right? And she tells uh, Van Arsdale, her uncle Sam, um, and he says, yeah, it's a hunting dog. He's got a good nose and good retrieving instincts. So he attributes to instincts, sure. which maybe. And the eight-year-old is like, no, he just knows where it is, I swear. <laughs> and Van Arsdale's like, go away, kid, you bother me. And because that's how people talked. Yes, yeah, that's exactly yeah. how people <laughs> So uh, eventually Jim was old enough to be trained as a bird dog. And I, I imagine Dorothy's heart was broken because uh, Van Arsdale came and claimed that puppy. And I don't know. Yeah how he can afford to have a you know this it, the dog was still weird looking and it, it had the long legs the huge paws the bug eyes but he <laughs> sends the dog to be trained by his friend ira so um jim sucks at bird dogging which is not what i expected right oh, yeah yeah um he just sits there <laughs> just sits there he doesn't pay attention he won't do his homework he doodles and writes poetry <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it's hot out uh, and he sits in the shade. 
<laughs> and he won't do any of this work. All the other jocks are out there sweating over dead birds. <laughs> and Ira's looking at this weird dog and thinking there's something not right with the dog. You know, he's lazy. He's stupid. Maybe he doesn't feel good. You know, he's poorly yeah. put together. Um, and that's why uh, some prankster dumped the dog on Sam Van Arsdale. So, um, but Ira is watching the dog and he's thinking there's something special about him besides his long-leggedy, big-footed right. laziness, right? <laughs> um, there's something about the bug eyes. <laughs> they seem intelligent. Okay. So I guess, as, as you said, this is about theory of mind. Um, Ira starts theorizing about Jim's mind, that there's intelligence, of an unusual, uncommon intelligence there. So Van Arsdale comes to see how Jim's doing in bird dog school. And so Ira takes him out in the field and says, don't expect much. Jim's just going to go lie under the tree and play his guitar. (laughs) (laughs) But instead, with Van Ardsdale there, Jim does an awesome job. He retrieves every dead bird. Wow. And they are both astounded because Jim didn't search for them. It was just as Dorothy said. He seemed to just know where they were. The other dogs are, you know, casting back and forth. They're sniffing the air, right? Um, Jim runs right toward them. Hmm. And lately I've been studying how dogs learn by imitation. Right. Um, Jim was sitting under the tree watching the other dogs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing a, a little bit of that at the club, having um, a dog that doesn't know how to use the teeter and is afraid of the teeter, watch another dog, have a wonderful time on the teeter, and then um, it's pretty cool. They, they learn the teeter much faster. Okay. Yeah, so maybe that, that was part of what was happening. Um, and, you know, so Van Ardsdale was thrilled with Jim, and in fact, they say... Jim went on to find every single bird Van Ardsdale ever shot. Van Ardsdale kept a tally because he was so amazed by his dog. And uh, Jim found over 5,000 dead birds, more than any other hunting dog ever. I'm not sure when that record was set. Right. (laughs) Or who set that record. Okay. That's what it was read. But uh, this is not what made Jim a wonder dog. Okay. This is, this is just backstory. Um, <laughs> it starts getting freaky from here. Because one day while uh, Van Ardsdale and his dog were out murdering birds, uh, <laughs> Van Ardsdale says to Jim, come on, boy, let's go rest under that hickory tree. And um, the thing is, they were in a field surrounded by all kinds of trees. And Jim went to a hickory tree. And Van Ardsdale thought, hmm, that's interesting. So he started quizzing his dog on species of trees. <laughs> He's like, let's go rest under that cedar tree. Let's go to the walnut tree. Let's go to the uh, black oak tree. And Jim got them all correct. He even wanted to know if Jim knew what a stump was, and he did. So I'm not sure he knew what any of this, but uh, Van Arsdale was so amazed that his bug-eyed dog was an arborist. <laughs> started showing him off i mean wouldn't you right and everybody was amazed that um that a dog knew trees so uh one day uh 
Van Artsdale was showing off um, his arborist dog, and somebody said, yeah, he knows trees, but does he know cars? Oh. And why, yes, he knows cars, too. Jim could tell a Chevy from a Ford. He could tell Carol's car from George's car. He could tell the, which car was the tax adjuster's car. <laughs> so um, at this point, we have a novelty act, right? So Van Ardsdale, as I said, he was a hotelier. He worked in a hotel at the okay. time. So um, he started working in the hotel lobby doing a shtick, right? And back then they didn't have Wi-Fi in the hotel, so you, right. or even television. So you can imagine um, that this, this was big entertainment in this hotel, right? So um, at this point, I, I want to tell any listeners who are familiar with the clever Hans fallacy, you might think you know what's going on. And um, maybe you kind of do, but I'm going to get to that in a minute, okay? Uh, so people kept finding out more and more ways to eliminate any possible cues from Jim's owner. Okay. Uh, so they ask Jim, who do I go to for a stomach ache? And he walks over to a guy who Van Arsdale doesn't know is a doctor. And the guy's a doctor. Hmm. They ask is there a Bible in the room? And Jim goes up to a guy who Van Ardsdale didn't know was a minister. And the, the minister had a Bible in his jacket pocket. So it's, I guess they ministers went around with Bibles in their pockets back in the day. <laughs> so there was a Bible in the room and Van Ardsdale didn't know it, right? Um, people start asking Jim questions in foreign languages that Van Ardsdale doesn't speak. Um, but Jim apparently understands them. Uh, they asked Jim questions in Morse code, which Van Ardsdale didn't understand. Um, but Jim did understand Morse code. Uh, they tried spelling questions. Uh, maybe Van Ardsdale couldn't spell. I don't know. They uh, hand wrote questions, and Jim never failed. Wow. Yeah. Um, once Van Ardsdale took Jim to a gas station, and uh, if this seems sort of threatening, if you ask me, but he, he asked Jim, where does this man keep his money? <laughs> And instead of going to the cash register, which is what we were told Van Ardsdale expected, okay. Jim went to the stack of old tires oh. and the attendant was shocked. It turns out the gas station had recently been robbed and the attendant had started hiding the cash in old tires. Right? So let's talk about the clever hounds fallacy. Yes. And what yes. is that? Oh, well, thanks to Mr. Wikipedia, we know that Hans was a horse owned by Wilhelm von Osten, who <laughs> was a gymnasium mathematics teacher. A gymnasium mathematics teacher? Yes, I didn't look up what a gymnasium mathematics teacher was, but okay. <laughs> um, in my spare time, I will research that. Sure. Um, yeah, because it sounds vigorous. <laughs> um, um, Aust von Austin was also an amateur horse trainer, a phrenologist, okay, oh, good. <laughs> and a mystic. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Hans, the horse, was said to have been taught to add, subtract, multiply, divide, work with fractions, tell time, keep track of the calendar, differentiate between musical tones, read, spell, and understand German. Wow. I know. Um, Von Austin would ask Hans things like, if the eighth day of the month comes on a Tuesday, what's the date of the following Friday? And the way Hans would answer 
um, the the number, the solution mm-hmm. to these problems, he would tap his hoof. And so in this case, okay. Hans would tap his hoof 11 times to indicate that um, it was the 11th of the month, right? So um, people would ask him these mathematical questions or math problems, word problems, uh, orally or in written form, um, because like like we noted, Hans could read. Uh, von Austin exhibited Hans throughout Germany doing these things. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting to me that people want to note that von Alston never charged admission for these performances. Uh, the The question of whether or not they charged fees seems to be part of these stories. Okay. It also comes up in Jim the Wonder Dog story. Oh, okay. Anyway, the uh, great public interest in Clever Hans led the German Board of Education to appoint a commission to investigate von Alston's scientific claims. There was a philosopher and psychologist, Karl Stumpf. Uh, he formed a panel of 13 people known as the Hans Commission. Oh. And, yeah. And this commission had, uh, this is a little presaging to the uh, the Wonder Dog thing. There was a commission. Uh, this commission had a, a veterinarian, a circus manager. I guess that would be your animal trainer, right? Okay, sure. A cavalry officer, also an animal trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of school teachers. I wonder, did they teach gymnastic mathematics, though? <laughs> um, there was a director of the Berlin Zoological Gardens. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, this commission concluded in September 1904 that no tricks were involved in Hans' performance. And I don't think they mean animal tricks. They mean right. fooling people. Right. Trickery. Right. Here are the ways they tested him, and you're going to recognize some of these. They isolated the horse and questioner from spectators, so no cues could come from the spectators. Okay. I think that was not, if you think back to the examples I gave you of um, Jim the Wonder Dog, uh, that was not done. Okay. Um, using uh, They used questioners other than the horse's master. Yes, they did that with Jim. Okay. Uh, in the stories that I've told you so far. Um, they put blinders on, uh, meaning they uh, varied whether the horse could see the questioner. Oh. And Dorothy was doing that. She put a box over Jim. Ah, the little okay. girl, Dorothy, right. who was yes, hiding her yes, doll. Yes. Yeah. Um, they also varied whether the questioner knew the answer to the question in advance. And that was done with Jim. Um, and actually, that's going to become a big deal shortly. Okay, so they did a substantial number of trials and perfunxed. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know how to, I should have looked up how to pronounce that. Maybe it's a silent P N or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> they found out that the horse could get the correct answer, even if Von Austin himself did not ask the questions. So that ruled out the possibility of Von Austin's fraud. Okay. Um, which is been done with uh, Van Ardsdale and Jim. However, the horse gave the right answer only when the questioner knew the what the answer was, and the horse could see the questioner. Right. So when Von Austin knew the answers, Hans got 89% of the answers correct. But when Van Austin did not know the answers, Hans only answered 6% of the questions correctly. Oh. Here's what I'm wondering. Like, what would be the motive for, um, I mean, as, as you can see here, uh, the horse was reading Von Austin's body language as as he's tapping out, say the answer is 11, you know, right. he's tapping, he gets to eight, he gets to nine. There are subtle cues in 
anybody who knows the answer. Um, they, these would be of anticipation. Um, yes. Right. And so the horse is reading that. Um, but when here, this example is uh, when Von Austin knew and when Von Austin didn't know, that's his handler, that's his trainer. Right. Um, what often uh, Van Ardsdale didn't know the answer, but Jim did. So Jim is looking at the cues of strangers. Yes. Know, the crowd. Um, and what would the motivation f be hmm. for Jim? That's always what I want to know. Why? Yeah. What's he getting out of this to, um, to, you know, he's a bird dog and he, but he's targeting places, he's targeting objects um, and he's delighting them. I don't know. Anyway, um, let me explain a little bit what I mean by targeting um, Jim's behavior almost exclusively involves what you would call targeting or directional casting. Okay. Um, so that's where a human gives a cue, um, you know, go get that object or go to that, go jump over, like in agility, it's a lot of directional casting, jump over that jump, not that one, go through that tunnel, not over this A-frame, right? So you, you cast the dog in different directions. So a bird dog seeks game and flushes it. They use scent, but they also use sight and sound probably. And they're bred to use those targeting skills in cooperative hunting with humans, just like border collies are bred to move sheep in cooperation with humans. Right. So Dorothy's game with the doll taught Jim to generalize his innate behavior from prey to inanimate objects. Okay. Yeah. And to rely on her anticipatory body language. You know, she was, she was a small child. She's probably, you know, yay, good boy, or yeah. wow, you know. And um, being a social animal, um, Jim is, that's reward for Jim, that he pleased his pack member. You know, uh, Van Ardsdale didn't know where the money was, but the gas station attendant did. And um, Van Ardsdale didn't know the answer, so he couldn't be cueing his, his dog, but other people in the room might cheer, you know, or clap or, or, you know, pat the dog and, or gaze at the dog with delight on their faces. And that's enough yes. for, um, for Jim, the wonder dog. Um, uh, cause they're social and they're motivated yeah. by our reactions. Right. Um, <clears throat> so Jim is moving like a planchet on a Ouija board toward the answer. And we're like, Oh, holding our breath, uh, looking around, lifting our eyebrows and our shoulders our, and then our jaws drop in wonder. And maybe these animals feed off our delight, you know? Yeah. It, the thing is, we the animals are getting the answer one way by reading our body language, very right. subtle. But we are mistakenly assuming they're getting the answer another way, which is a theory of mind, but it's slightly erroneous. Right. Maybe it's the answer we want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in terms of where they're getting the answer, it's like... How cool it would it be to have a psychic dog? Um, very cool. So, wow, my dog is psychic. <laughs> so the dog is just trying to please. Yes. And the dog is pleasing. Right. You know, uh, but when when it's proven in these cases, I mean, what, what all these commissions are trying to do is is uh, how how are they? They must be fooling us. How are they fooling us? And right. When, once the, the problem, the reason Clever Hans is a fallacy is because it was debunked. Right. He didn't know math. Boo. You know, right. nobody wants to watch him anymore. Right. Um, and you know, I, I first read about Hans, gosh, 
oh man, it must be like 24 years old. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You know um, there was a book called Adam's Task, Calling Animals by Name by Vicki Hearn. Uh, she's a professor of English and philosophy and linguistics, and she's also a dog, horse, and cat trainer. Oh, wow. And she'd spent like 25 years studying animal behavior. Um, and central to her view on animal training was her belief that animals could not be defined, I'm quoting somewhere somehow, uh, be defined by behaviors dictates. I think it might be Wikipedia, I'm quoting, that their individuality, they have the capacity to be in reciprocal relationships with humans emotionally and morally, and, and that it involves language, uh, these okay. reciprocal relationships. Uh, it was in Adam's task that I first read about Clever Hans, including that downer debunking part of his story where they figure <laughs> out he's just reading, just reading the body language of the crowd. And um, in her book, Hearn writes that when she told a friend the Clever Hans story and, you know, ended with Hans, boo, wasn't really doing math. He was just right. reading body language. Her friend replied, yes, but isn't that interesting? Well, yes. Yes. I think so too. <laughs> of it is. It's very subtle. It's, it's, also very smart oh yeah yeah apparently it's a little smarter than we are because we thought they were doing math you know um and it like you said it's what we want to believe you know that's why we had x-files right oh yes <laughs> one of the authors of one of the jim the wonder dog books she writes uh, enjoy the mystery that's what jim gave us mm. so um I agree with Vicki Hearn and her friend. I think even if you can explain it with cognitive behavior theory or whatever, uh, it still deserves wonder. Yes. Um, directional casting uses pointing gestures, but anybody who works with dogs and horses knows that they can also um, follow the human gaze. Yes. Um, so I'm sure you're probably going to talk about that in your deception. Oh, a little bit. Not a lot, but a little. <laughs> The thing is about Jim is that the story keeps going. It's not over. Um, it gets much more complicated. All right. So Van Ardsdale didn't understand at this time. I mean, how his dog was doing it. Maybe they hadn't heard about Clever Hans. And um, there was a commission, as, as there was with Clever Hans. Um, right. This guy was A.J. Durant, professor of veterinary science, and Dr. Sherman, professor of agriculture. They gave Jim a physical. They noted he was normal and healthy and of an average canine intelligence, despite ah. the eyes. Um, <laughs> of the eyes, they said they were more readily noticeable, which is interesting for us. I mean, when you think about this whole, the phenomenon of okay. the wonder dog, how much of it is really about us uh, responding to Jim's large eyes hmm. and assuming okay. more is there. Right. Um, they also said the middle portion of his cranium, remember this is in the days of phrenology, the middle portion of his cranium was very broad. You know, so again, we're going to attribute more intelligence. They said he was average, but um, right. uh, the repeated references to the large eyes and the broad head seem to me to be maybe part of the folklore here, the folklore elements, that it's easier to believe he had supernatural abilities. Right. Rather than it's just an you know, a quirk of his anatomy. Uh, even though these experts said he's not more intelligent, people went on, they were predisposed to think he was because of his appearance. Oh, okay. Dr. Durant was studying those features 
and mm-hmm. uh, all the professors after they studied him and tested him they got into they discussed their observations and they uh dr durant came out i think there were a crowd had formed waiting for their pronouncements <laughs> and he announced the conclusion jim possessed an occult power may never again yes you didn't see that coming did it they didn't know it was an occult power and it may never come again to a dog in many generations wow yes um was this the time of the spiritualists it was wasn't it this is uh 1925 that sounds about right although that was earlier no 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 that was earlier that was in the that's a really good question but I think there was a movement in the 20s that was the same kind of thing. Like, you know, hypno- hypnotism was big and automatic mm. writing and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah. So these, these, these are, I mean, this is the director of agriculture at a university, right? And he comes out and says, <laughs> um, I don't know. Is he he's the, just like the, a dog. Oh, he was, uh, Durant was the professor of veterinary science. <laughs> He deserts, you know, the dogs of average intelligence, but there's, there must be, this is a leap in theory of mind. There must be another mind in here. Oh, you know, yes. Yes. From another realm. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Wow. So (laughs) here's the thing from here. I don't, was this after his, I wish I had the exact date of this pronouncement. I probably do somewhere. Um, Once it's declared that Jim has occult powers, I'm not sure if that's cause and effect, but Jim developed the or revealed that he also had the ability to predict the gender of unborn babies. How's that for a gender reveal? Yeah, really. He predicted seven Kentucky Derby winners, <laughs> the winners of the 1936 World Series, and a presidential race. Wow. Yeah, the consequences are really ratcheting up here. Yeah. At one point, Sam and his wife and his and the dog were in um, this. I'm sorry, Van Arsdale. Sam and Jim, I kept confusing their names. That's why I'm calling Sam by his last name. <clears throat> oh, okay. I don't know why. Uh, I had trouble telling Sam and Jim apart. So Van Arsdale and his wife and the dog Jim were in Miami, and they were visiting a friend who liked to listen to dog races on the radio. And the friend got the idea of clipping the names of the dogs in the race out of the mm-hmm. paper and having everybody hold up a name and ask oh. Jim who was holding the name of the first place winner who was holding the second place winner and so on and for two days they did this and and jim got them all correct they won so much money that the local paper ran a story on it and then the van arsdales received a telegram at the hotel where they were staying and it read get that dog out of town or something is going to happen to him so now you got the mob involved great (laughs) (laughs) so um a a lot of skeptics became convinced that jim was in fact psychic wow um he could predict the outcome of any future event with certainty but even still van ardsdale refused to take advantage just like yeah the owner of clever of hans um yes uh he would not permit anyone else to reap a profit from jim's uncanny ability in the tampa (laughs) tribune in february 25th 1933 there was a story about people pestering van arsdale to ask jim to pick lottery numbers (laughs) and he says we don't gamble um van arsdale at one point was offered six hundred and sixty five thousand dollars Wow. What is that in today's money? 
who knows if uh he and jim would work in the movies for oh. one year and wow. he turned down this offer he said I feel that Jim's powers are beyond my comprehension. I do not care to commercialize on them oh, anyway. I see. However, he did insure the dog for $100,000. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> Against accident. But he wasn't profiting from him. But he okay. insured for 100000 <laughs> Anyway, uh, Jim the Wonder Dog was the most famous hunting dog of the 20th century. And during his career, like I said, 5,000 birds were shot over him. Isn't that eloquent? Jesus. Yeah, love it. <laughs> so let's talk uh, some theories that I found. Okay. Okay. Carolyn Mueller. Yeah, because what the heck? Uh, yeah. Uh, Carol Carolyn Mueller is a children's writer and an animal trainer, and she works with big cats, cheetahs, bears, hyenas, other meat-eating animals. Okay. And a friend asked her to investigate the records. Um, oh, okay. This is you know more recent. Uh, I'm looking for a date here. I'm not saying a date, but anyway. Um, so she investigated the records of how um, Jim and Van Ardsdale did it. And Mueller admits Jim's story sounds fake at first, like a gimmick or a trick. Right. She said, I was definitely coming at it with an animal training background and a, and a scientific background for my work at the zoo. So I was skeptical. I was looking for the clever Hans on angle the mm -hmm. entire time, she said. Uh, I was looking for how this dog was getting cued to do these things, how the dog was being reinforced, which is, as I said earlier, what's the dog getting out of it? Right. But as I got into the research, writes Mueller, and they were testing him for the clever hands effect by asking him questions in Morse code or in languages his owner didn't know, writing things on paper, and in the end, predicting the future. That's when I threw up my hands and thought, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever know. Just enjoy the story of Jim. <laughs> and I started wondering, are we only hearing about the hits and not the misses? Right. Yeah. What yeah. is that? Confirmation bias? Uh, confirmation bias. Right. Yeah. Uh, this, the book by Nancy Daly, Jim the Wonder Dog, she, at the end of the book, she lists four theories that she could come up with. And these are fun. Uh, number one, someone was cueing Jim. Uh, at the time, uh, Nancy Daly didn't think of the clever Hans fallacy which is unintentional or unconscious cueing, uh, but she says no one at the time saw any cueing. Right. And that doesn't answer the predictions for the future. Okay. Right. Number two, reincarnation. <laughs> you know, I kind of had that thought myself. You did But not. anyway, I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if Jim was somebody from the past, that doesn't explain how we know the future, does it? No. <laughs> okay so but she i i really enjoyed reading this because she got herself in this uh, amusing tangle of pondering whether or not a human can come back as a dog like that was her sticking point <laughs> she, i mean she went she went really deep into whether or not he, it's it, it that that book is worth reading just for this where she's trying to figure out can a, can a human come back as a dog uh, she even says some people were convinced jim was re a reincarnation of king solomon Oh, say so smart. Yes. Anyway, her third theory was mind reading. And that gets like to that occult thing you were talking about. Right. Or, or spiritualist. Um, yes. And this was fun, too, because she kind of gets her bloomers in a twist over whether or not a dog can read a human mind. Because humans. Uh, right. It's, she it's... assumes humans only think in language rather than pictures. And so she doesn't right. understand how a dog could read a mind that is thinking in language rather than pictures. Uh, okay. Even though 
yeah. a lot of this involved language. Mm, you know, true. it was written yeah. language. It was Morse code, you know, which is a kind of language. Math, math is a kind of language, right? So, right. Um, so she, this woman uh, did some research and she discovered, in fact, a good percentage of the human population can engage in visual thinking. Mm hmm including babies who haven't learned to speak yet. I would think, yeah, yeah, I would think. <laughs> and then she cited a Harvard study led by Enor Armit, not armpit, it's Armit, who found <laughs> that people create visual images to go along with their verbal thoughts. How about that? Yeah. Sounds like who poetry. Knew? Who knew? Um, yeah. Her research <laughs> convinces her that some people think visually, but uh, what about people who only think in words? She's, <laughs> uh, that must mean that Jim could actually read and understand foreign languages. That I think that was part of her sticking point. If they're thinking in foreign languages he and yeah. he's mind reading, he must also be able to understand foreign languages. Um, in that research, she forgot to investigate whether or not one brain can actually access the thoughts of another brain of another in the first brain, place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, the fourth explanation was ESP. I'm not sure how that's different from mind reading, but yeah. Um, oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like there isn't mind reading also an extrasensory perception. Yes, I, I, I assume so. I mean. Maybe she's expanded the definition of it. Maybe. That there's more involved than just that. There were like some gaps here. Anyway, and, and <laughs> no doubt in my account, there are some gaps. But anyway, um, <laughs> she quotes a veterinarian who lived near Van Ardsdale and knew Jim. And, you know, so testimony from the time and said, we have seen, uh, this veterinarian said, we have seen Jim perform many times. And in our opinion, it was phenomenal. There was no trick, and it would be impossible for anyone to train a dog to Jim's accomplishments. The only explanation that we can give is that this dog has an extra sense. <laughs> and she ends the book asking, how come nobody thought to ask Jim how he did it? <laughs> now, if he had those little things that the dogs can talk with now, the buttons, yes! the, like the, buttons. How the buttons with the words, like go outside now <laughs> yes i bought those for my dogs i have not interested well you got to train them well yeah that's yeah, true you, you have to invest the button with meaning yeah i mean the words already presumably the words already have meaning oh yeah yeah for a lot of dogs yeah for the dog um or you can teach that yeah so like food you know or table dinner treat. whatever treat yes you, yeah you say you know want treat now you know right and that's what they're gonna hit every time that's yes. all they're ever saying it's one thing um yeah what do you, what do you think you know i you know my first reaction is going to be you know the unconscious cue uh, but i mean picking winners and you know, I think it's, I mean, realistically, it's probably a combination of, you know, unconscious cues and confirmation bias. Like you don't hear about the, you know, times he doesn't get it right, because when he does get it right, it's so big that you forget about all the other times. Exactly. And maybe there's some tall tale telling here that some exaggeration, yeah. like uh, he got them all right. Yes, that, that might just not be true. <laughs> right. <laughs> but people want it to be true. So they repeat right. it. And then yes. And I know, I mean, even myself and my husband, 
we expand things when we tell stories. And in fact, that happened this weekend um, because we actually had people over um, <laughs> people and um, he was saying something, but it was sort of that thing like always came up or like every time came up. And I know the story too. And that's not true. Yes. But we always back each other up. You know, like we'll have this look like you're a good team that way. Yeah, we're good. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, exaggerate and because it makes for a better story. But um, <laughs> there is something to be said for making a better story. You know, we're, we're all about that. Like we do things so that you have the story, you know. So, you know. I wonder if there's been um, any new wonder dogs. That's a great question. Mm, I mean, nowadays, the wonder dogs are um, Chaser, who knew right. a thousand uh, some, uh, you know, and, and um, yeah. uh, Irene Pepperberg and Alex, the parrot. Oh, sure. Right. Um, who's, is it, what border collie that knows like 300 words or whatever? Is that Chaser? Well, Chaser knows over a thousand Oh, oh, okay. Well, I'm behind <laughs> on the information. Doing a lot of homework. <laughs> We're going to stop here um, and have like a part two for next time, which will be another episode on Theory of Mind because Anne has a great story that deserves its own episode. Listen, we want to hear from you guys. Uh, do you have a clever Han story? You know, a case where uh, your dog or some other animal seemed to know something impossible or supernatural. You can tell us about it on our Facebook page. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. You could give us some ideas for future episodes. Um, any stories, any studies of uncanny animal intelligence, we want to hear it, especially if it's something that happened to you. That would be really cool. So contact us on our website. Uh, there's a contact form. Our website is thisanimallife.com. And as always, if you were at all intrigued with this episode or any other episodes, uh, please like, review, subscribe. Uh, that's positive reinforcement for us. So let us know what we're doing well uh, so we keep doing that. And uh, join us next week uh, for that Theory of Mind episode with uh, Anne and the story of Fu Manchu, the great ape escape. Mick, wanna check on the kitten? Oh, <laughs>